This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Chris Knutson, and this is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. It's the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. And in today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing Mike Giorgione, the founder of Leading Leaders. Mike's a retired Rear Admiral out of the Navy's Civil Engineer Corps, now a business leader. And in the episode, we're going to get on the topic of leadership, specifically impact leadership in your engineering career. We're going to touch on things like positive action, how you can provide value and a positive influence, and most importantly, remain relevant throughout your engineering career. And we're also going to talk a little bit about a shared experience that each of us had early on in our careers, and that was how we were able to connect with the people that worked for us and not have them wait us out. And we'll, we'll get into that in the show. It's a, it's a great thing that both of, us, uh, both of us shared from our military experience. But before we get into that, I want to let you know that you know, if you're not a recent regular listener, or even if you are, that uh, Anthony and I have redesigned the Engineering Career Coach website. You can go there and check it out. There's a, there's a tab on there called the Ask Us page. And if you go there, you can submit questions by voice or text. And Anthony did a podcast recently. You can check it out. It's episode 68, where he answered questions from several engineers who uh, ranging from, uh, from early on in their career all the way through mid-level managers. And he shared that information in the podcast. We really enjoy seeing the questions and the opportunity to interact with you. And more importantly, the opportunity to share that great information with all of you. And also as a part of that redesign of the Engineering Career Coach brand was a rebranding of our membership community, which was formerly known as the Institute for Engineering Career Development. We've renamed it the Engineering Career Community, the ECC, and we've made a 30-day trial membership available for everyone for a dollar. That's right, one dollar. So you can check that out at engineeringcareercommunity.com. We'd love to have you jump in there, mix it up with us in the forums and the groups, and it'd be great to connect with you through that, uh, through that community. So go check it out, engineeringcareercommunity.com. But before we get into the main segment of the show, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode. If you're thinking about taking the FE, PE, or SE exam this year, I recommend that you check out PPI. They're the leader in engineering exam preparation. And for a special 15% discount, you can use promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach. And use promo code COACH at checkout for 15% discount on your order. All right, so I want to start this here with a quote. It comes from John Quincy Adams. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. And with that, stand by for leading leaders, Mike Giorgione. Well, now it's time for the main segment of our show, and I have with me today Mike Giorgione. And uh, he brings a wealth of engineering and leadership experience to any discussion, and we're going to have a great one here on this episode today. Uh, before I get into that, I just want to remind everybody that the show notes for today's episode can be found at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash impact. That's the engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash impact. And as always, you're going to be able to find links to the resources, websites, and books that, that either myself or Mike are going to mention during the episode. 
Well, a little bit about Mike. He's a retired Rear Admiral from the Navy's Civil Engineer Corps and served in a variety of assignments around the world over a 29-year career. His last two assignments were as the Commander of Naval Facilities Engineering Command Pacific and the Commanding Officer, Naval Facilities Engineering Command Southwest. And after his retirement in 2010, Mike devoted four years in the private industry. And he currently works full-time in the company that he founded in 2011, Leading Leaders, a leadership development and executive coaching firm. Mike's a 1981 graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy and has a master's degree in civil engineering from Penn State and business certificates from Duke University and the University of North Carolina. And he also happens to be a registered professional engineer in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and a fellow in the Society of American Military Engineers. And he and his wife, Michelle, and daughters, Brianna and Ryan, reside in lovely Coronado, California. Mike, I'm glad that we got connected a couple of months ago by a mutual colleague, and I'm really glad that she introduced us. And thanks for coming on the Engineering Career Coach Show. Thank you, Christian. I appreciate the uh, connection as well, and uh, look forward to our discussion today. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we're going we're gonna to unpack for everybody that's listening out there some great information, really insight from yourself on how to deliver impact leadership in your engineering career. And, uh, and no doubt over the, uh, over the nearly three decades that you had as a, as a Naval Civil Engineer Corps officer, that you have just a lot of great experience, uh, great hands-on experience, and uh, can pass that on. So can you tell us a little bit about up front here about, about impact leadership, which is something that, uh, that you present in your leaders? Sure. I, I think the word impact just connotes uh, action, uh, hopefully positive action. And to me, it's about making a difference. It's about being relevant. It's about having positive influence in other people's lives. And much of that I learned through my entire career. And I, it, it's carried on with me into the private practice and, and my search to be relevant and provide value to the people that I work with. So making an impact to me means positive contribution, something relevant, and making a difference. So yeah, so be, making an influence and being relevant. You know, as you talk with a lot of different engineers, both uh, both just new, you know, engineers are starting out in their career as well as well as engineers who have been at it for for a while. What are some of the what are some of the things that you tell them that they might look at or might want to pursue, or maybe even look at different mindset changes to help them take their leadership to a higher level of impact? You know, specifically focusing on the engineering profession, Christian. And I am very grateful that I had four years in the private sector with several different firms because it, one, gave me the experience of what, in this case, engineering firms deal with and really affir- reaffirmed what I've learned in my whole professional life. So in engineering, you know, we start off as, as novices, as apprentices, we hire in and, you know, we're, we're, we should be operating a very tactical mindset in learning the business of the business as engineers. But where I see people who grow positively and make a difference in a company are those that as they promote and as they gain years of experience, they start to learn what it means to be a consultant. They start to learn what it means to be a business development person. They should start to develop this holistic development mindset that I'm not just a tactician learning engineering, but I'm also a business consultant. And along with that, my development in leadership should start to occur. So that if I am promoted to manage a practice or an office or a branch or a region, I not only know the business of this and I know how to sell it to clients and manage it, but now I know how to lead my office. And quite honestly, that's a failing and a shortfall I see in many organizations is they don't grow their people as well as they should. 
from those early days of engineering practice to the days of being a leader of the practice. What do you think are maybe some ways that individuals might be able to short circuit that firm that they work for that, that isn't providing them with the experience or providing them with the training? How can somebody go about developing themselves so they're maybe better, better position to be able to step into these you know, leadership positions within the firm or, or God forbid that they have to go out and maybe look for another, another position somewhere else? You know, I understand and respect the fact that, uh, say, coming out of the college, you want to get that first job, and that's important. And uh, you're probably more on the uh, the seeking end than the employer is, uh, and the employer has probably more choices at the point in your career. So, I respect that you want to get started and feel good about the firm that you're uh, hiring on with. But I would also say that you need to be interviewing that firm as much as they're interviewing you, even at those early days. But I think some of the things that a young engineer should ask is, you know, what are the growth opportunities? What do you do for training? What kind of development do you have, not just professionally, but in the business sense, in the leadership sense? And maybe you're not as confident to ask those early on. So maybe as you grow and you spend five to seven years with a firm, if you're not seeing those things or if you haven't had that hard discussion with your supervisor, you haven't asked to go to training or what other development opportunities there are. And I think you need to have a hard discussion with yourself and maybe make the choice that this may not be where you want to be. If you want to be a designer your whole life, I respect that as well. And maybe that's where you want to be, working the, work the drawings, working the specs. I think a lot of people want to grow in their practice, in their profession, and actually run something and be in charge of people and a practice. And I think that's where we need to be very focused on leadership development. Unfortunately, it has to come from the top, as we say in leadership. And if the senior managers and executives aren't supportive of and providing these opportunities, uh, that's a clear sign to me that it may not be there and that I would look for something else as well. Mike, that's, that's great insight. So, so what, we're, what we're hearing here, everyone, is that you know, as you step through your career, you know, each of us are going to most likely be working in a firm or some, some organization that's out there. And it's really not 100% the responsibility of the organization or the firm to provide you with all the leadership uh, training or really any of the, the technical training. At the end of the day, you're ultimately responsible to yourself to be able to, to develop yourself as a leader, develop yourself as a professional. So you really need to be on the front edge of, of paying attention to that. And, uh, and, and Mike, I, I like how you mentioned this, or, you know, you're starting the comments here that, you know, early on in your career, you are in less of a negotiating position than you are later on in your career. So I think that that's another, that's another aspect that, that everyone needs to take into account, but, uh, but nonetheless still an important one. It, just remember that you know, you really it's your responsibility for your own professional and personal development. Very well said, Christian. I do agree. It's, it, it is a two-way street, but you own your life. You own your career. You have to direct it. And so in those junior years, some of those more subtle ways to maybe start to, to test the waters is, you know, you volunteer to be in a society of engineering of some sort. You volunteer to take on a, a volunteer job that supports the engineering profession. You volunteer to work the, you know, judging of the student uh, talent fair or whatever the case may be. These are those simple things that they would expect, I think, young, aggressive, motivated engineers to do. And to me, that gets you out in the industry. It gets you out among other professionals. And maybe it influences your, your supervisors that you care and you have a lot of value to add. So now you can start to develop, hey, this, this person is very valuable to this firm. 
represents us well. And now you're gaining a little more negotiating position, if you will. But it's absolutely, you are in the driver's seat and you have to be driving your career. Well said. So let's shift gears here and look at maybe an engineer who's who's on the uh, you know who's has a good decade or maybe even a couple decades worth of worth of experience under their belt, and they've been able to be in leadership positions, have moved up the ladder, if you will, both in responsibility and in, in authority. You know, looking over some of some of your material and in, in your work on the on your on your website and. Uh, some of the courses actually that I've seen you present through the Society of American Military Engineers, um, you get into talking about uh, position and, and perceived power and influence over others. What do you think are some ways that that a person can self-regulate or self-check themselves from letting letting their position or perceived power negatively influence how they operate with other people? I think the number one factor, and uh, it's easy to look at it from a negative perspective because there are plenty of examples of leaders who let their ego get in the way. And that is it. It is the managing your own ego. Men and women in, in senior positions that have you know, big responsibilities in running an organization, whatever that organization may be, and are responsible for the lives and welfare of others, when they lose track of their ego and it starts to become about them, and not about the mission of the organization, the purpose of the organization and the people, then I think it's, it's, a, it's a death spiral. And so for me, you know, this is a very interpersonal, self-evaluating look here. You have to be understand, uh, you have to be grateful for what you have in life. You have to be grateful for what you don't have, you know, problems and other challenges. In my background in the military career, where we're typically, uh, you know, a promote up or out outfit, uh, you have, I reminded myself, it could have been someone else that had the good fortune of getting that assignment or of being promoted. And you just have to take stock of your value and humility. And on a very personal note, when I, when, even when I would start to, to start to stray, I would think, you know, let's think about those that didn't come home from the fight today. And especially think about those young engineers who went out and did what they were asked to do. And they're not here with their families today. And for me, that's a very grounding moment to check your humility, keep your ego in check. Yes, much is expected of you and much is given to you as you ascend in rank and position. But always remember where you came from and remember the people that you're responsible for. That's how I do it. It's great, great insight. Have you, have you ever used um, any kind of accountability groups or work with other peers or, or uh, even mentors, if you will, that, that provided you with, with uh, checks as well and uh, opportunities for you to just bounce, bounce feelings and, and thoughts and ideas off of to help kind of keep yourself grounded and in, in, in the right, right mindset? I remember one person I'm not particularly close to, but he was a senior officer and I was selected to go to um, run the uh, presidential retreat at Camp David. He said, you know, Mike, just make sure your hat size is the same coming out as it is going in. <laughs> and it's a very, you know, very cheesy thing, but it's, it's so, I've obviously remembered it. And, and little things like that from colleagues and mostly but seniors who said, you know, remember the substance, remember who you're taking care of. That's why you serve. And to me that, you know, even though it's a very military background for me, it, it carries into the private sector and I want it to carry into all, everything I do in life and who I touch. It's about, you know, serving the others and, and keeping your humility. So I've had those little, you know, pundits of wisdom come from many. 
That's, that's awesome. I love that. Maybe you can share with us a story from your career where you, you really, you finally felt like you got leadership. Because I think, you know, leadership comes with so much, I don't want to say baggage, but it comes with a lot of weight. Uh, people look at it and say, well, I'm not a good leader, or I have to have, you know, I, I have to have had a military career, or I have to have been in a position at some point through their life where they were actually in charge of people. It can be really uh, maybe intimidating. But at some point, I, I would suspect, Mike, that you, you finally felt like one day you were like, man, I, I get this leadership thing. I actually understand it. You know, Can you tell us maybe a story from your career where you felt like you really got it? I can. It, it's an obvious, to me, inflection point. It's not just when I was very junior or when I was really senior. It was uh, kind of the midpoint of the career. And it goes back to this assignment again at the presidential retreat. And to be nominated is, is a big thing. And to go through the screening process and the interviews process is a big thing. And this is where you start to keep your, you know, your ego in check and just be thankful you're, you're being considered. But going to the camp as the commanding officer, serving through two presidents, President Clinton and then President George W. Bush in his first uh, year, and learning that as the CEO where everyone works for you, everyone's always watching, you're in this relaxed, quote-unquote, environment for the president and his family and guests, but it's a very stressful, behind-the-scenes, sometimes uptight environment. And learning how to navigate uh, yourself, your family, your sailors, Marines, soldiers that work for you, the other families, uh, the guests, and learning how to do that in a very genuine way. Uh, still delivering the goods, still always being ready, but not you know riding everyone all the time and creating a stressful environment. And then going through all the difficult and sometimes humorous events that happen on a visit weekend, head of state visit. That's my inflection point, Christian. That's when I realized, I think I got a style here. I can operate in this high pressure environment, but not lose sight of who I am and who my people are. And, you know, there, there are some funny stories, as I said, and some harder ones about getting through all that and making it work. But that was the inflection point in my career where I thought, I think I've got something here that's going to work from here on out. What do you think some of those, some of those skill sets were? And, and, and do you think, were they, were they ones that you, that you learned just from previous experience? Or do you think that these were more of an innate ability? I do think it was previous experience. Uh, it was the training at the academy. It was the early assignments uh, overseas. It was leading, you know, small unit leadership in the CBs. It is a bit of my personality and nature, so there is some innate tone to this. I think one is the ability to bring order to chaos, and not the other way around. You know, in difficult times. Sometimes in very good times, but certainly difficult times, you see some leaders just seem to generate more chaos than there really is. And I don't know if that's their, their discomfort, if that's their, their search for some more self-esteem and attention. But when I saw myself, in my opinion, bring more order to the chaos and manage a situation in a crisis or a near crisis or a tough situation well, I thought, you know, there's, there's an ability here that just puts everyone at ease. Everyone knows who's in charge. You don't have to prove it to anyone. And they're looking to you for guidance and direction. But in looking for that guidance and direction, you're also looking to them for advice and you're listening to what's on their mind and you make, you make your decisions as you go. So again, that, that's a, 
I think, a unique skill set that worked very well for me. And I, I try to teach that or at least show it to others when I do my courses. All right. So, Mike, you know, you, you shared a, a story and some of the material that I was looking at as I was preparing for, for our, our discussion today about uh, experience that you had early in your career, which was one that, that I experienced as well with some of my engineers that I worked when I was very junior. And essentially, they just told me that, you know, if they didn't like who I was or the way that I operated, they'd simply wait me out. Can you share with us a little bit about that story and maybe some of the, uh, some of the, the leadership takeaways that you had from that? Sure. And this story goes back that uh, Christian's referring to, to my time as a Navy lieutenant. So a junior officer in the public works officer position in La, Ma- La Maddalena, Sardinia, Italy. And it starts with the espresso machine. I'd hear the espresso machine go off in the back of engineering area afternoon. And uh, I didn't drink coffee at the time. Certainly learned to quite well. But I, it got me curious about what was going on. So I'd wander back there and, you know, people were kind of doing their afternoon get together. And our Italian workforce had accommodated the American work hours. You know, there was no siesta in, in the middle of the afternoon, which is typical in many businesses in Europe. But uh, they did do their little quick coffee break. And I just started to hang out and uh, they would offer me one and I'd have one eventually. And, uh, you know, that wasn't the only way I got to know my employees, but it was one of these very normal, genuine kind of friendly ways. I was very fortunate, as I said earlier in the broadcast, to go to Defense Language Institute, learn to speak Italian, go to La Maddalena, Italy for two years and work in this job and use my Italian. So it helped me, of course, connect and make an impact with them. As I got to know them and as we warmed up to each other, I once asked them, you know, how does it work? This is all in Italian. How does this work when you don't like the lieutenant, the tenente, as we say in Italian? And they told me that we just wait you out. (laughs) And, you know, in the rest of my career, and Christian, you're laughing because you've seen it too, you know that our civilian workforce, principally international and domestic, probably thinks that about a lot of us. Absolutely. (laughs) About a lot of us military (laughs) officers who roll in for our two or three years, you know, create chaos, not order, make a splash, want to make a name, stir things up and move on. And uh, sometimes that's the good effort and for positive reasons. And sometimes if it's not, or they don't connect with their workforce, or they're not very good leaders, you know what, folks? People are just waiting you out. <laughs> How uh, troubling is that? That's a great story. I, yeah, that experience that I had was very similar to the one that you had. And uh, the takeaway lesson that I walked away was the importance of building rapport and a connection as early as possible with with the people that were working for you because it was only through that that they were eventually going to be able to support whatever whatever grand scheme that I had, you know, strategy or whatever it might be. The only way it was going to happen was with their support. And it was a lot easier to have them working with me than working against me or, or, <laughs> or waiting me out. So uh, that's just a, that's a wonderful story. So we've been talking a lot about, about some of the, uh, you know, some of the really good Good takeaways, some of the some of the really good you know leadership experience experiences that you've had throughout your career. I want to shift gears here for a minute and ask you: Was there ever a leadership challenge that you faced, and how did you overcome it? The true challenges were rarely associated with the actual work of engineering for the Navy and Marine Corps that we principally did around the world. The real challenges came down to people. It was the case of having to investigate some wrongdoing and firing someone. It was the case of handling a death in the command. It 
was the challenge of handling suicide in the command. It was the challenge of rallying families around the need of another family. And you see, none of those dealt with the work. Rarely, in my experience, is it about the work, the project. It's about the people that work for you and the things that happen. And uh, I think the expectations of you as the leader to bring calm, to bring comfort, in some cases to bring discipline and counseling to the person or the situation that's needed. So to me, those are the challenges. And those are the ones I like to talk about and teach about because they're the, they're the real world moments that I think many people in any industry probably facing in their workspace. Absolutely. What I hear you saying really is, is the challenges are never, whether well, there are going to be ones that are going to come up related to or the engineering or the technical side of, side mm-hmm. of our business as engineers, but, but the true ones and, and some of the ones that can be the most challenging are going to be the ones that are going to be associated with people. And oftentimes the engineering component is only there because it happens to be an engineering firm or an engineering organization, but it's at the end of the day, we're talking about people in real life. Correct. So uh, just a, a great, great perspective there. So I want to ask, I, I know, um, you know, as military officers, we, we read a lot of, a lot of books, a lot of books on leadership, a lot of books on management and other, other materials like that. No doubt that you have read a lot uh, over your career. If there was one book on leadership that you would recommend to all of us to go out and check, check out and read, what is it and why? I'll go back to that inflection point in my mid-career I talked about and what got me thinking about leadership and, and wanting to give back more. And, and as, later in, in my career, I started to read a lot more, as you, as you mentioned, and, and started to write and use it in my speaking and teaching and all. So I was referred to and given a gift of a book by John Maxwell. And John Maxwell writes a lot of leadership books and, uh, and does a lot of speaking and touring. But the one book a friend gave me that really resonated me was his uh, 21 Irrefutable Qualities of a Leader. And it is one that I tend to give as a gift sometimes as well. And it just resonated with me. You know, there was nothing that was not obvious in there. You know, most of this is common sense and a, a realization of how to treat people and how to carry yourself. But it just, he, he said it so well in his 21 principles that uh, it resonated with me. So I started to read a lot more about him. And uh, it becomes a, a great source, really, of affirmation at this time in my career uh, as to why things work and why people act the way they do. That's great. I will uh, make sure that that book ends up in our uh, ends up in the show notes here. And and something else I'm going to do is I, I read quite a bit as well. And, and uh, that that book that you just mentioned, the one by John Maxwell, this 21 indispensable qualities of a leader, was one that 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 I keyed in on as well. I've been, I've, I've have a hard copy of it sitting here. I've been through it a number of different times. And in fact, what I will do in the show notes is uh, I'm going to also include a one page synopsis. I, I do these on a lot of the books that I write and, and that will be included in there along with the uh, link to the book as well. So, so it's, it's interesting that you brought that, you know, that both of us have keyed in on that same book. It's definitely a good one. Very good. Well, I ask one one final question here. In, in this one, we may actually go in a little bit more in detail. But uh, one of the areas that I know that that you're keen to focus on in the different in the different talks that you give and the different trainings that you do is on time management. And so, I'd be interested to know about some of the skills that you use and maybe routines specifically that that you follow in the morning and in the evening that that you feel really prime you 
and prime your, yourself, your mind, your body to be able to sustain leadership and sustain your your performance uh, throughout the you know throughout the day and throughout the week. You know, a lot of senior people uh, they always want you to know they want the subordinates to know how busy they are. Right? They're always harried, running through the hallways and. I'm taking a very negative view of this stereotype, but it's pretty accurate, I think. And uh, it always struck me as I'd see my peers or my seniors, why they act that way. And are they really that busy? And as I'd peel the onion and as I'd study people's habits and behaviors, I realized a lot of times it just comes down to poor time management or and what they think is you know, important to them. So I started to do a lot with, again, on in-service about work, this thing we called work-life balance, and now it's work-life integration or whatever the case may be. But to me, it comes down to your time management. It's, and it's, again, it starts with a very personal perspective. You look at your life, you look at your time, how you spend it, and what's important to you. And I say, you know, when you look at a typical year, you know, any day can be crazy. We, are, we all are entitled to a bad day, a great day, a, a crazy day. There are times in life where you'll put more time into family and fun, you know, time off, and there are many times in life you have to put a lot more into work. And that's okay. That's, you know, this is not a sign curve. It is an up and down day-to-day thing. But overall, if you looked at your year, I would, I would hope to see that you have a pretty balanced life to where you are just as happy to go to work as you are to come home. And I think what helps that is how you manage your time. So you start with yourself. What's the most important thing to any one person? your health. How do you take care of yourself, your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, your intellectual health, all those things. On the physical side, you know, for me, it's always on a work day, work out in the morning, do something physical activity. And in that self, you know, vary it to whatever works for you. Many people like to meditate. Many people like to be quiet. Many people like to run, swim, bike, whatever the case may be. You've got to take care of your body and your health and your mind first. In the course of the workday, I think you need to have time that is devoted to you as a leader as your own blocks of time for thinking, writing, strategizing, whatever the case may be. I was never impressed with someone who was impressed by themselves and their schedules being too blocked, you know, one meeting after another. Typically, that habit leads to people running late, the leader running late and making people, other people wait, which I think is an incredibly insulting thing to do to others. I find in your workday, yes, you have your meeting time. You have your walking around, talking to people time, I think it's important. You have your time to talk to your clients, but you need time for yourself. Do you get that every day? Of course not. Typically for me, it could be one hour in the morning, maybe the lunch period, and maybe one hour at the rest of the day. That's an ideal day. I know I've got those three hours or so to, to count on, but you got to have time for yourself. You got to have time for your people. You have to be accessible to your people. But I don't believe in a constantly open door where people can just come in and hijack your day. That's actually very poor practice, I think. And I was a big believer in walking around and going out and visit the people and talk to them about what they're working on and just, you know, create that impact and that connection, but use it in a very genuine way that didn't, uh, it wasn't daunting to them and wasn't time consuming to them, but really gave me a perspective. So that's, you know, quite quickly how I look at my life. Take care of yourself first manage your work day. And then when you do go home, you know, what do you do for family, friends, activities, hobbies, volunteer work? That's part of your holistic life as well. And uh, I think that helps you be a, a better leader when you have that perspective of, of things away from work. Mike, I appreciate that. That's a, a lot of what Anthony and I have, have attempted to share through the uh, 
to the podcast here over the uh, over the episodes has been you know, this this concept of you know of using using your engineering your engineering management and engineering planning skills to plan out your you know plan out your I almost don't want to say this but to plan out your life and to make sure that you've got um, maybe if it's not necessarily going to be balanced that you have a good uh, give and take between the work and everything else that it's not all work you've got to be able to make sure that you do what what Michael Hyatt actually mentions or calls book margin so basically make sure that you're scheduling some uh, some downtime in your day and in your schedule throughout the week and the month so that's uh, that's great well, Mike thank you very much for the information that you shared with us today I, I'm going to ask you if to stick around with us for the Take Action Today segment, because I know that you've got a little bit more to share with us. And uh, before we before we move into the into that next segment, I just wanted to see if you might be able to share with people how can they learn more about what you do through leading leaders, and where where can they find out more about you, or maybe even connect with you. Thank you, Christian. Everyone, I do have a website, uh, leadingleaders.org, O-R-G, Leading Leaders, and uh, that's a great way to introduce yourself via phone or email. And I'd love to be able to help uh, those of us in this profession. I think we bring great value to this world. And I think what's important is as we grow our engineers to, to lead in the world, that they develop the leadership skills that are important to uh, enhance their, their value and, and do very good things that are needed. Thank you, Christian, for asking. Yeah, Mike, thank you. And, and everyone, we'll make sure that the uh, link to uh, Mike's website is uh, included in the show notes. And again, you can access those at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash impact. Stick around. We'll be right back with the Take Action Today segment. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. And today, Mike Giorgione is stuck with me, and he's going to share with you one actual piece of insight advice that you can implement in your career and your life. But before I do that, I want to offer a word from today's episode sponsor, PPI. So our listeners often ask us what exam prep materials review courses they should use when preparing for the FE, PE, or SE exam. And hands down, we recommend PPI. If you plan to take your exam soon, we have a special promo code for listeners of our podcast. Use promo code COACH for 15% off your order at ppitopass.com forward slash a coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach. And use promo code COACH at checkout for 15% discount on your order. PPI's mission is simple. They want to help engineers pass the FE, PE, and SE exams and advance their careers. Quality is paramount at PPI. In fact, it's the driving force behind everything they do. With best-selling exam review materials developed by PPI founder Michael Lindeberg and other experts in the industry, they have been the source and solution for passing the FE, PE, and SE exams for more than 40 years. So to see how PPI can help you pass your exam, and for special offers and discounts exclusive to our podcast listeners, visit ppi2pass.com slash coach. That's PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach. All right, Michael, I'm glad that you stuck around for this uh, Take Action Today segment. And I want to ask you, what actionable advice can you share with us to increase our leadership impact and our professional work? Thank you, Christian. Again, thank you to you and your audience for today and the opportunity to share some thoughts and discussion with you. I'm going to start with the advice and a phrase. I'll talk about it, and then I'll end with a phrase again. And it's not my phrase. It's even the, uh, the title of a book today, and it's a common phrase, but I like it. And um, it's not about you. As engineers, 
folks, we have incredible skills and a mindset and a logic pattern through our education, experience, and work that I think enables us to work on and solve many important problems in engineering and many other disciplines and industries around the world. And in fact, I'd like to think that I expect all of you to do that. That is something we bring to the, to the globe. And in doing that, as you promote in your business, in your profession, in your practice, you need to develop those around you to make an impact, develop the leadership skills of those around you. And in doing that, you keep your humility and ego in check. And always remember, it's about the mission. It's about your people. It's not about you. Uh, well said, Mike. Thank you very much. And thank you for, thank you for your service and what, for what you do through uh, uh, leading leaders and, uh, and your service over the, uh, over the decades. And uh, I'm glad that we were able to get connected. Thank you, Christian. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to get connected and heavy on the show here. So, everyone, I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and your questions. Please go to engineeringcareercoach.com slash questions. Anthony and I monitor all the comments, and we're going to respond if you leave us one. We'd love to be able to talk with you and get some feedback and some understanding of what we can do to help you in your career. Until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.